Hey, will you turn with me? Um, would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8? And we'll read the first six verses of Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is the fifth book in the Bible. So let's turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1 to 6. The whole commandment that I command you today, you will be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Now let's pray together. Hey, good to see everybody this morning. And here I am sitting in my study and I'm preaching to you this morning. So let's pray. And then we'll look at Deuteronomy 8 and the, and the third verse, which is so famous. Let's pray. Thank you very, very much, Lord, that we are able in this wondrous way to get together as a church, something that was never possible for thousands of years. And now at this um, critical juncture in the history of our country and the world, the church is able to get together in this wonderful way and still see one another and hear one another and pray and hear preaching and invite people to come and join them. We thank you so much for this privilege and we pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would help us not only to say the words, but also to hear the words and to receive the words. We pray that with the people that are with us today who don't as yet know you, that you'll help them to do just that, to receive the message which is given today and join us in the wonderful fellowship that we have with you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the fellowship that we have with one another, brothers and sisters, in the love of Christ. We pray that you'll be with us now for your name's sake. Amen. So here we are looking at Deuteronomy um, chapter 8 and verse 3. And what he's doing here um, from chapter 8 is actually um, beginning to explain to us, you know, how we can keep the commandments which he um, spoke in the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy. He gave them there. So here in chapter 8 and verse 3, he's essentially telling us how we can understand the first commandment and obey the first commandment. And you know that the first commandment was, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first 
commandment in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. And here he is explaining what that means, how we understand that uh, in real life. And he does this in a wonderful way by taking them back to their history as a, as a people. So he's telling them here, the, the, giving them here the, uh, an understanding of the worth of their sufferings. And, and really, you know, in, um, in the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years as a country, as a nation rather, before they went into the land of Canaan, um, they suffered in various ways. And, and while they suffered in their suffering, um, God tested them and humbled them. And the emphasis in this passage is, is on that latter point. In particular, that he humbled them. He tested them in that he put them into difficult circumstances so that they might really see what their hearts were made of and where they were uh, in connection with him. And, um, and of course, he knew where they were, but he wanted them to know where they were and what they would do in, in certain circumstances and whether they would obey him. And then he humbled them by really reducing them and bringing them to their knees, which he did in the wilderness uh, while they wandered around the Sinai Desert, those 40 years or so before they entered into Canaan. So let's look at the... They're just the two points that I had this morning, that the Lord gives us food, and we don't deny that, um, food, material food. And then the second, that the Lord gives us more than food. So they're pretty simple points, which I'm getting here this morning from verse 3. Now, you know, the, the Lord gives us food. I think the, uh, the, the thing is that we have so much of it here in New Zealand. We have plenty of food. We live in a land of food and a land of plenty, land of milk and honey and, and uh, the rivers are flowing and the sun shines and the, the rain falls and we have all of this plenty and we forget, you know, who provides that food. And, and I think as it says later on in chapter eight, we, we begin to, um, conclude that somehow that we brought it all about and we can commend ourselves and praise ourselves for the fact that we that we have food and uh, and we think that no god gave it to us but we got it for ourselves and i think too when we have plenty people begin to think that life consists of food material things you know life consists of youth and health food and houses and possessions and money but uh, as the fool was told in um, Luke chapter 12 when he you know wanted to build bigger barns remember that guy um, God told him you're a fool uh, life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions and tonight your soul is required of you um, the problem is that when we're surrounded with plenty and have lots of food, we, we, we make them our gods. They become our other gods, our idols, and we worship them and we center our lives around them and we aspire for, to them and we, for them and we, and we, we, we think they're the, the most beautiful things in the world. And yet the strange thing is that um, with all the, the possessions that we have in New Zealand and we're, you know, so relatively well off and we have so much to eat and we, things are so, are so comfortable that we're never satisfied with with this 
this uh, material life and the things that we, we centered our lives around. So that, that, that in itself should make us feel that there must be more to life than food. Well, this is what happened in the wilderness. He brought them to their knees, really, in the wilderness. They ran out of food that they brought from Egypt. Their pots were empty. They didn't have anything to, 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 to draw on. The animals, I guess, were gone. They, they were really on their knees. They had, they had nothing. And they cried out to Moses. They cried out to God to, to save them and to help them. And God sees, God saw them, God sees us when we, when we suffer and when we uh, need material things. He, he understands that we're, that we're dust and uh, that we, we can't exist without, without material food. And he's able to provide our food when we cannot provide our food. He's able to do far more abundantly. Uh, he's able to supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So God can give us food. He sees our needs. He gives us our food. And he does provide for, for people in, in his common grace. You know, people all over the world are given rain. They're given food. They're provided for. And, and really, generally speaking, it's corruption, the corruption of government and of leadership that really denies people what their, what their land provides them with. God does provide, and he provides for his people. Uh, so much so that when David was sort of reflecting on life at the end of his life and on how God had dealt with the righteous, he categorically stated in Psalm 37, that never once in his lifetime had he ever seen the righteous and their children forsaken and begging for bread. That's, an, that's a fascinating thing. A, a, a categorical statement there um, where David asserts the fact that God sees, God is able to provide, and he does provide. So here in the, in the wilderness, um, God let them hunger, and, and then he fed them so as to humble them and to teach them uh, that while they needed food and he could provide material food, that that food in and of itself would not satisfy them. They needed more than food. They needed another food which really is what Jesus spoke about in John chapter 4 when he spoke to that woman at the well, when he said, when his disciples came back with the food from the village, he said, I've already had food. And they, they couldn't understand it. And he was referring to some, some other food, something deeply satisfying. And that was that, um, that he had the Lord and his will and, uh, and, and the Lord um, provided him with something, something wonderful there in the person of that woman. And it's, it's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, right at the very, very, very beginning. And he got driven into the wilderness. Um, and there he was there for 40 days. Very fascinating. He was there in the wilderness and he was there for 40 days. And he was tempted to, uh, by a single word, turn a stone into bread and satisfy his 
tremendously pressing hunger and thereby be his own provider. That's what he was tempted to do. And, and if he'd done it, that was the surest way in the world of his proving that he was not the son of God if he had done so. But he didn't do so. You know, he didn't do that because he wanted to trust in God himself who gave the material food and would give him the material food when God the Father chose. And so he was looking to something more than food. He was looking to God. He was looking to the will of God. So there's just a few things on that first point that God does give us food and that plenty has its problems for us but he in his grace and mercy provides he sees us he gives us the food and, uh, and but there's more to life than food life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions those words that he spoke to the full so that leads us to the second point that the lord gives us more than food he gives us something else by which we truly live. Now, in the desert, while they were there for those 40 years, he, he wondrously and miraculously provided them with manna, something that they'd never seen before. It was un unprecedented. No one had any experience of ever finding such a food before. And that food continued on for 40 years given six days a week, never, never on the Sabbath. And the day they entered into the promised land, that food supply ceased. It was entirely and utterly miraculous from day one to the end of those 40 years. So Israel literally, literally lived by the will of God and by the word of God. That's what that manner actually stated to them that while they had it and possessed it, they were entirely and utterly dependent upon God himself to give it. They were entirely dependent upon the word of God uh, to create and to make that, that manner and to give that manner to them. And of course, you know, that was true of Israel before the wilderness experience. Uh, during the time of Abraham and the, the fathers and in Egypt, you know, in all those hundreds of years, they lived by the word. And it's true that after uh, the wilderness in Canaan and during those hundreds of years that, uh, that they were there and during their uh, exile, they lived by the word of God. And when there was a, as one of the prophets said, a famine of the word of God, they really struggled and, as a nation. But when the prophetic word of God was given to them, the word of promise and the word of, uh, of, of covenantal faithfulness to them as a people, they flourished as a people. When they looked to that word and they were given that word, they, they flourished uh, and they truly lived and grew. Under the, under the influence of the word of God as a people. Now that word of God, you know, you can think of that on an even grander scale, if you could possibly think of, of him and the, his people, the church. He, he upholds the whole universe and sustains the universe by the word of his power. That's what Hebrews 1 says. So, you know, his, his word, the word of 
the word of God as something that's truly relevant today in that the, the earth, the continuation of the earth, the giving of the rain, the giving of the food, of food uh, the keeping of the church, all of that is continued and sustained and, and, uh, and maintained by the uh, continuation of the word of, of God as, a, as the word of power which he speaks, sustaining and creating all that we see in the world today. And it's that word that's preached by me this morning, yeah? and that's preached in, in our church. We preach that word, the word of God, the word of Christ, which are words of eternal life. Remember once the, the disciples were asked by Christ, you want to go as well, you know, and join all the others who've left me, who could not stand the hard words that he spoke um, concerning the, the Christian life, the, the way of life that, that, he, that he taught. And they said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Uh, your words, when they're believed, they give life uh, to human beings in the deepest possible way. And that's, the, that's the, the distinctive mark, listen to me well, you know, the distinctive mark of a Christian person that he receives Christ's words and believes in Christ's words and he's born again through the living and abiding word of Christ, which he receives and believes and really continues to wait on as a Christian person, reading them, meditating upon them, trusting in them, believing them. That's, that's the whole ethos and, uh, and the whole way of life of a Christian. It explains uh, who the Christian is. Listen to the words of Christ, you know, which are eternal life. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. They're words of life. You believe those words and do as the word tells you to do and you receive eternal life. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Here's another word of Christ, another word of life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Those are words of life. You hear those words of Christ and you bring your words to Christ. He preaches his words and you can read his words. He gives you his words of life. You are to bring your words to him. And these are the words that you bring to him. Just like the prodigal son that I referred to some many weeks ago, who, when he was in desperate straits in a far country and had run out of money and of food and of friends, he said, I will say when I go to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your servants. You come with words like that to God, words of repentance and words of faith. You come to him bringing words, God be merciful to me a sinner. Like the words of the man in the temple, the most wonderful words that a human being can ever, ever bring to God, who gives to us freely and universally 
this word of life, which is universally preached and, and the a universal invitation given to people of every color and kind in the world. You hear his words, you bring your words of repentance and faith to him and believe on him. And when you do, you'll hear him. Mark my words, you'll hear him speak words of life to you into your heart and life, into your heart and life. He'll speak words of assurance and words of love and compassion to you as you bring your words of re repentance to him and receive his words of eternal life. So let's pray now and um, we'll continue. We thank you so much, Lord, that uh, we're able to, to meet together to hear a few things on one of the most beautiful words in the Bible, words that Jesus himself plucked out of Deuteronomy and spoke years and years later to the evil one when he was tempted to do something which would prove that he was not the son of God. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'll help, help us to understand as Jesus understood that there's more to life than material food. There is the word of God. And in the end, we're entirely and absolutely reliant upon the word of God to sustain the universe, to sustain us, our souls, our bodies, uh, to give us words that can be believed and taken into our heart and soul and received. Lord, help us, every one of us, wherever we may be in our rooms, in our bedrooms, in our lounges now, help us, every one of us, to come to you as the man in the temple did. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And as that prodigal son did in the far country, who ruminated on what he would do and had the words all ready for his father when he met him again. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Help us to come humbly to you. Help us to become, come repentant to you and believing to you in the ISIS for your name's sake. Amen.